grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of our triune God, my dear fellow redeemed. There are many mornings when I'll be sitting at home enjoying a nice cup of coffee when suddenly the silence is broken by cries of, hey, that's not fair, hey, you're cheating. You see, both of my boys really like video games, and they're also very competitive, and when they feel like one is doing something that's not quite right, they are sure to let all of the rest of us know what's going on. Or I think about some of the sporting events I've been at where I'm sitting in the stands and you hear cries of, hey, come on, ref, or hey, that's a foul. And before I stand up here and give you the impression that I am not guilty of doing the exact same thing, I can assure you that in a little while, as I'm sitting in my basement watching the Packers, I will be making the same sort of complaints. Why do we do these things? I think it's because we're all hardwired to want things to be fair. We want to be treated equally. We want justice to be done. And when we see somebody else getting an unfair advantage or someone cheating, that really, that really doesn't sit well with us. We want things to be fair. We see this attitude symbolized in some of the symbols for our justice system in this country. I have up there for you this morning a picture of Lady Justice. And how does she look? She's wearing a blindfold because we want justice to be impartial. We don't want justice to give an unfair advantage to one side or the other. And we also want justice to have those perfectly balanced scales where we're both weighed and judged equally. Because by nature, that's what we want. We want to be judged equally. We want to be rewarded when we do good. And while we don't necessarily want to be punished when we do bad, we also understand that according to justice, that is what is right and good. Evil deserves to be punished. And this natural tendency to want justice, to want equality, I think is one of the reasons we struggle with the parable that we heard this morning we can easily find ourselves sympathizing with those workers who had spent the entire day working and yet now are getting paid exactly the same amount as those who had, been paid, who had only worked a single hour. Just kind of to review the story, there was this landowner who owned a vineyard. And so he went out early in the morning and he hired some workers to come work in his vineyard, and after talking with these men, he agreed to pay them a denarius for their day's work. Now, they agreed to this because that was the same amount of money that a Roman soldier would be paid for his day of work, so this was a rather generous offer on the part of the landowner. Now, as the day went on, the landowner realized he needed more help, so he went out again at noon, and he went out at three and hired more workers and then he did something strange. He went out at the very last hour of the day and found some workers who had not yet been hired and brought them also into his vineyard. And then again, he did something that to us seems like he's just trying to set up a situation where there's going to be conflict. He tells his foreman to pay everyone, starting with those who were hired last and going to those who were hired first. And so he goes to those who were hired last, who'd only worked a single hour, and he gives them that denarius. And so as he goes down the line, 
those workers who had spent the entire day, a 12-hour shift working in a vineyard doing hard physical labor, they were suddenly expecting to be paid more. And when they only received a single denarius, they started grumbling against the owner of the vineyard. And his response was, I have not treated you unfairly. This is the amount of money you agreed to work for. What is it to you if I decide to be generous with my own money? Now maybe it helps to put this in a little bit more modern context. Imagine that you've been working for a company for 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. You've been a faithful employee. You've showed up every day you were able for work. You've went above and beyond to help your boss out. Well, now the company's expanding. The boss needs to hire more workers, and you find out that he's now paying them exactly the same amount that he is paying you. How is that going to make you feel? It's going to make you feel that your boss has not appreciated your long years of service. Even if he says to you, no, I do appreciate everything that I've, you've done for me, I just want to be generous to the new workers coming in. I want to help them out. Again, what is your reaction to that going to be? You're probably going to demand a raise, or if nothing else, you're going to be going out the next day and looking for a new job. Now, in this parable, Jesus is not giving us an example of how to run a business. He's not saying that this is a model for how an economic system should work. No, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples an important truth about the kingdom of God. You see, the disciples had a misunderstanding after an interaction that had just occurred. There was a rich young man who had come and talked to Jesus and said, What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And this rich young man said, I've done that. And Jesus, knowing his heart, said, well, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And we're told that rich man went away sad. You see, Jesus understood that this rich man thought from his outward actions he could do something to please God. But Jesus could see into his heart and see that what he actually loved was his money and possessions. He loved those more than God. Now the disciples that were there and heard this exchange, they were amazed. And Peter right away says, Lord, we've given up everything to go and follow you. And Jesus says, yes, it is true that those who have sacrificed much will be rewarded. But then Jesus follows up with this parable. And he seems to be trying to correct this misunderstanding that Peter kind of got in his head, a natural misunderstanding that because of our sinful natures we fall into, that we start wanting to compare ourselves to other believers. That we want God to deal with us justly. We want God to reward us for our work. But God doesn't deal with us fairly in matters of salvation. God deals with us according to his grace and his mercy. And when we start really thinking about this concept, we realize that the idea of God dealing with us fairly should fill us with terror and with dread. 
as I said, because of our sinful natures, it is easy to want to make those comparisons with other believers. It's easy to fall into that same attitude as the workers in the vineyard to say, Lord, I have spent years and years in your service. I've faithfully come to church every Sunday. I've done all of these things. I should be rewarded for my hard work. And it can be especially difficult for us when we see others who don't do as much and we start thinking, well, it's not fair that they're being treated the same as I. Or perhaps this gets even a little bit more difficult for us when we start thinking about those who do evil. How easy it can be to fall into that attitude of Jonah that we heard about in our first lesson that we can be sitting there underneath our vine waiting for God to judge the evil, to bring destruction on those who sin. It can be very easy to self-righteously think, well, it's true, I have sinned a little, but at least I'm not as bad a sinner as those people over there. God, punish those who do evil. God, bring your justice on this world. And yet what we need to remember is that God does not judge us by comparing us to others in this world. God judges us against the standard of his law. And what is that standard? So then be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And how do we measure up to that standard? We confess that we are all sinners. We confess for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we look at our lives and our conduct against God's standard of holiness, when we look at it even against the standard of the Ten Commandments, we realize that we are nowhere near perfect. We know that we have sinned. and We understand how foolish it would be to demand that God deal with us fairly. Because if we ask God to deal with us fairly, to pay us the wages that we deserve, well, Scripture says the wages of sin is death. And dear friends, this is the point of the parable. That it doesn't matter how long or how hard that we labor in our Lord's vineyard, we don't earn any eternal reward of salvation because of that work. As the Apostle Paul says, indeed, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Perhaps think about it this way. Adam was a believer. He clung to the promises of God for 930 years. Abraham served the Lord faithfully and clung to the promises of a Savior for 175 years. After his conversion, the Apostle Paul was a believer and for 30 years spread the message of the gospel and suffered great hardship and suffering for the Lord's name. The thief on the cross was a believer for at most a few hours. And yet what reward do they all receive? Forgiveness? and eternal life in heaven. Now, from a purely human standpoint, this does not seem fair. But from God's standpoint, this is how he chooses to deal with us. He chooses to deal with us in grace. 
And in order to save us, God did something that was profoundly unfair. He punished his one and only son in our place. Think of the life that Jesus lived for you. How he came, he took on human flesh, he placed himself under God's holy law, and he kept it perfectly. He never broke one of the Ten Commandments in, even th- in, in thought, word, or action. He lived a holy life. He never failed to show love and mercy. He even forgave those who were crucifying him. Christ did not deserve to be punished, and yet God punished him for our sins. If God was dealing with us fairly, it should have been us who faced the torments of hell and death for our sins, but instead, Christ was punished in our place. He took all of our sins upon himself. He paid for them with his life, and in return, he gives to us his perfection, that all of our sins have been forgiven. They have been washed away. They have been removed by the death of our Savior. This is the great injustice of our salvation. That instead of being punished as we deserve, Christ was punished in our place and made full forgiveness for us by his death and by his resurrection. He defeated the power of death and crushed the head of Satan so that we could have absolute confidence that when we die, we will be raised again to that new and glorious life with our Father in heaven. We are given this wage, this gift of salvation, not because of anything that we have done to earn or deserve it, but because our God loves us and forgives us in Christ. Now, as we consider the parable of the workers this morning, again, it is very easy to sympathize with those workers who are angry that they were being paid the same as those who only worked one hour. But we remember not to compare ourselves to others, to focus instead on what Christ has done for us, to remember that all of our sins have been paid for in Christ, to rejoice in that forgiveness, and to remember that all the work that we do, all the years of service that we give to God laboring in his vineyard, we do not to earn a reward, but instead we do it to show our love and our thankfulness for all that God has done for us. We keep his commands. We follow his word. We serve faithfully out of gratitude and because we are his dear children and want to do the things that make our Father happy. Because we understand that by nature we should only, we only deserve punishment for our sins. And it is only by God's grace that we have been forgiven. Yes, dear friends, We want things to be fair in our lives. We want justice. We want to be treated equally. But God doesn't deal with us fairly. And praise be to him that he does not. Because if he dealt with us fairly, there is not a one of us who could stand before his holy throne. Instead, we rejoice that God deals with us in grace, that our sins have been forgiven in Christ. Amen.